the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. You need to remember that all that we are and all we have comes from the Lord. I'm haunted by the advice of a pastor friend of mine I heard years ago say about himself, and I think this is true for me, I think it's true for all of us, I am one bad decision away from losing everything. And it's important for us to walk in the fear of the Lord and to remember that all that we have and all that we are is from the Lord. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Proverbs. All that we are and all that we have comes from the Lord. Pastor Gary challenges us to fully realize that everything we have in our lives is a direct blessing or gift from God. With this perspective, we will come to be more thankful and faithful to Him. Learn to see the things and people in your life as pieces placed by God. Realize that He hopes for you to influence them with His grace and for you to be a light to them. Share your knowledge of Him with all who you can and value the things He has given you, whether they are big or small. Well, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Proverbs chapter 14 with part one of his message, Virtues in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 14. We're actually going to bring a conclusion to our study through the book of Proverbs today. We have a couple of books uh, still available, some Bibles if you need one. Otherwise, if you don't have one, I'm sure you can find one on your electronic device. But Proverbs 14 is where we're going to be. And if there's an usher near you who happens to have Bibles in hand, you can raise your hand and receive one from them. And it's page 482 in the church Bibles. Proverbs chapter 14. Now, you you say, well, I thought you're concluding it, but you're only in chapter 14. Well, the the fact is, we've been all over the book of Proverbs. This is part 7 of our series through Proverbs, but we've been studying it a little differently than what we normally do. Normally, we take a book of the Bible and we go chapter by chapter, section by section. But Proverbs is not really written in a chronological way. It is written thematically rather than chronologically. You see various themes throughout the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is a very practical book. It's altogether beneficial for us. It is God's wisdom and counsel and advice for a better life that was inspired through the pen of King Solomon. And basically through these truisms and principles, God says to us, if you will honor me and live your life according to these truisms and principles, 
generally speaking, it will go better for you than if you don't. And so because various themes are all through the book of Proverbs, that's how we've been studying it. We've been looking at it thematically. And so far, we've looked at the themes of wisdom, money, sexuality, family and friends, speech. Last time, we looked at the topic of vices, those things, those character flaws and those moral weaknesses that you should get rid of out of your life or certainly avoid. And today we're going to speak of the opposite of vices. We're going to talk about virtues. Proverbs has a lot to say about virtues. Now, just in order to get a working definition, uh, here's what we mean when we say virtues. We're talking about uh, a virtue is a behavior showing high moral standards, a commendable quality or trait, or moral excellence. And again, whereas vices are moral weaknesses and character flaws that we should get rid of or avoid, virtues are the opposite. Virtues are character traits we should aspire to. Uh, Virtues are character traits that we should emulate. And Proverbs has a lot to say about various virtues throughout this book. And uh, as, as God's people, we should desire to lead a virtuous life. So what I've done is I've just kind of uh, compiled a, a short list of a few virtues that Proverbs mentions throughout the book. And so here's an example of 12, not an exhaustive list, but 12. We have humility, mercy, kindness, righteousness, patience, peace, integrity, discretion, honesty, hard work, love, and faithfulness, and others. But these are just 12, for example, of various virtues that the book of Proverbs speaks of. And you'll notice as we read here, what I'm going to be reading is the last half of Proverbs chapter 14. You'll notice several of these words here that are found throughout these uh, verses here in the latter part of Proverbs chapter 14. So I'm going to start reading at verse 21 down through the end of the chapter. Proverbs 14, starting at verse 21. And it says, He who despises his neighbor sins, but blessed is he who is kind to the needy. Do not those who plot evil go astray, but those who plan what is good find love and faithfulness. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. The wealth of the wise is their crown, but the folly of fools yields folly. A truthful witness saves lives, but a false witness is deceitful. He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for his children it will be a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a man from the snares of death. A large population is a king's glory, but without subjects a prince is ruined. A patient man has great understanding, but a quick-tempered man displays folly. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. He who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. When calamity comes, the wicked are brought down, but even in death the righteous have a refuge." Wisdom reposes in the heart of the discerning, and even among fools, she lets herself be known. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. A king delights in a wise servant, but a shameful servant incurs his wrath. 
Well, as I did in our study of vices, I put 12 vices from the book of Proverbs on the screen for you. And then I said, okay, look, we're not going to tackle all 12, but we're going to look at a few of them today. That's what I'm going to do as it relates to the virtues. That isn't to say that you don't need to aspire to all of these virtues. It's just to say in the interest of time, I'm going to highlight four out of the 12 on our list. The first one we're going to look at today is humility, humility. Uh, Augustine said, if you ask me what is the first precept of the Christian religion, I will answer first, second, and third, humility. Now, humility is the one virtue that we should all aspire to possess, but never say that we have. (laughs) Others can say about you that you're a very humble person, but the moment you say you're humble, you aren't. So this is one of those virtues. It's a little tricky. We have to aspire to it. We want to be humble, but we can never say that we are. The only exception to this was Moses. Moses was the only one who was humble and said he was humble. But that's because God told him to say that he was humble. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, Moses writes, because we know that Moses was inspired by the Lord to write the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And in Numbers 12, verse 3, this is what we read. Now, Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Now, it's a parenthetical verse. In Numbers 12, verse 3, that verse I just read, it's in parentheses in your Bible. I think that was because Moses had a discussion with God about this. I mean, God is the one who told Moses, I want you to pen these first five books of the Bible. And when he gets to Numbers 12, 3, God says, all right, I want you to tell everybody that you're a very humble man, more humble than anybody else on the face of the earth. <laughs> really, Lord? You want, me to, you want me to write? Now, he's about 80 years old when God called him into ministry, so I'm trying to do the 80 voice. So he's just like, really? You want me to write that I'm the most humble man on the face? I can't write that. I'm humble. God says, no, I want you to write it. I'm the one telling you to write this. Really? You want me to write? I'm the one. Write it, Moses. You are. I, I don't want to write this. Write it, Moses. Well, can I at least put it in parentheses? <laughs> All right, put it in parentheses. So that's what he does. And he writes that. But Moses was really the only one who could ever say, I'm a really humble guy. But that's only because God told him to write it down and tell everybody how humble you are. Otherwise, we need to be humble people, but we can never claim that we are. Now, Proverbs tells us a lot about humility, and and I want to just glean with you four keys to humility. And here's the first one. Don't take yourself too seriously. Gather around you people who are not impressed with you. Now, look at the verse there. Proverbs 18, 12 says, Before his downfall, a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. So we don't want to stumble and fall because of pride. So in order to stay humble, it's good to gather around us people who are not impressed with us. In other words, get married. <laughs> you know, after a while, you know, at first, it, you get married, you just think, oh, oh, you're just so perfect. Oh, you're so wonderful. Oh, this, oh, that. Then you wake up with bed head and bad breath. That goes down the tank in a moment. People all of a sudden see you for who you truly are, not that polished person you present yourself to be, but who you really are. So a spouse will keep you humble, all right? You know, my wife is a wonderful encourager, but I'm glad she keeps my feet to the ground. She keeps my feet to the ground. Once in a while, somebody will say, hey, Pastor G, that was a great sermon. Then I go home and my wife's like, hey, rock star, take out the trash. (laughs) 
And it's good for us to have people in our lives who are not impressed with us, who see us for who we really are and remind us we're not all that. And if you're not married, get a dog. Because <laughs> there's nothing quite as humbling as walking around picking up dog poop in a baggie. <laughs> Gather around you people or a dog, somebody who's not impressed with you, it'll help to keep you humble. Winston Churchill was once asked, doesn't it thrill you to know that every time you give a political speech, you speak to a packed house? And Churchill said, well, it's quite flattering. But reality is, whenever I start to feel that way, I remember that there would be twice as many people to come if I were being hanged. Number two, another important way that we stay humble, number two, is to fear the Lord and to remember that all you are and all you have come from the Lord. Proverbs reminds us of this in Proverbs 22, 4. Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. We need to remember that all that we are and all we have comes from the Lord. I'm haunted by the advice of a pastor friend of mine I heard years ago say about himself, and I think this is true for me, and I think it's true for all of us, I am one bad decision away from losing everything. And it's important for us to walk in the fear of the Lord and to remember that all that we have and all that we are is from the Lord. Number three, an important principle to humility that Proverbs teaches us is to celebrate others, not yourself. Proverbs 27, verse 2 says, Let another praise you, and not your own mouth, someone else, and not your own lips. When someone goes around telling others how great they are, or what they've accomplished, or you know, uh, uh, you know, how important they are, it makes that person look very small. And a lot of people aren't aware of it. They just talk about themselves constantly, and others are not impressed. It becomes a, a flaw. It's a vice, not a virtue, to go around bragging about yourself, telling other people what you've done. Look at me. Look at my accomplishments. You know, look, look at all that I've done. Now, some of you might say, but what if, what, what if I'm saying is actually true? I mean, like, you know, what, what if Michael Jordan goes around talking about how he's the greatest basketball player of all time? Which, which would be true, in my opinion. I think that's a true statement. But if he went around saying that all the time, no one would be impressed. They'd lose respect for him. And why should anyone else go around saying it if he's going around saying it? So if you go around talking about yourself and, and all these wonderful things you've done and all the wonderful uh, ways that you are as a human being... No one else needs to chime in because you're doing more than enough. Don't go around tooting your own horn. Let someone else praise you and not your own lips. And by the way, when someone else does say something complimentary about you, just a simple thank you or praise the Lord will do. Don't go on about it. Well, thank you. I'm glad that you noticed. I was hoping and wondering. <laughs> just thank you. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Great words don't make a great person, great actions do. So you can go around saying all that you want about yourself, but that's not as impressive as just living a life of humility and letting others notice for themselves. There's an old Scottish proverb that goes like this, flattery is like fine perfume. Sniff it, don't drink it. <laughs> Number four, 
We stay humble by following the example of Jesus. He washed feet. He died on a cross. You can't get any more humble than that. And just by way of his not only demonstrating humility, but some of the things he said about humility, that's why I referenced there Matthew 20, 26, Jesus said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. There are a lot of oxymorons in the Bible, things that don't really make sense, that seem contradictory on the surface. Giving is receiving. Dying is living. Well, humility comes because you're a servant. And when you want to be served, that's really an an aspect of pride. So whoever wants to be first must become last, must be your servant. Greatness comes through leastness. And then, of course, Philippians 2.8, which reminds us about the supreme example of humility when it talks about how Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus laid down the royal robes and condescended to our level, stooped down to us, humbled himself, died on a cross, experiencing the scorning, the shame, the embarrassment, and he did it all because of his love for us. He was the supreme sacrifice, the supreme servant who demonstrated humility. He surrendered it all for us to have life. It was the great exchange. So no greater example to follow in regards to humility than Jesus. And Proverbs 3.34, just another proverb to remind us that God mocks proud mockers but gives grace to the humble. Only in humility will we really experience the full extent of God's grace. Ephesians 4.2, Paul reminds us, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. And Jesus said in Luke 14.11, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. Again, he's saying if you want to promote yourself, then, then that's pride and God will humble you. But if you let God promote you because you're humble, then God will exalt. God will promote. God will be the one to give you promotion or accomplishment or success. But let's not be self-promoting people, self-aggrandizing people, self-reliant people. Let's learn humility and walk in humility before the Lord. The second virtue that I want to highlight on the list with you today is kindness, kindness. One of the things that you'll notice in this list of virtues is that all of them are modeled by the Lord, and certainly kindness is no exception. We see all through the Gospels in particular the kindness and compassion that Jesus demonstrated to people, particularly those who were in need. You see kindness with the woman caught in adultery. You see kindness extended to the lepers who were social outcasts of their day. You see kindness extended to the diseased and the discouraged. You see kindness that Jesus extended to sinners and the suffering. Jesus was constantly demonstrating compassion and kindness to people. Now, there were times that he was very direct and confrontational. There were times that he was tough, you know, driving out the money changers in the temple and all of that. But Jesus just was constantly demonstrating kindness and compassion to people. And he calls us in a similar way to be kind and compassionate. 
In Matthew chapter 9, 36, it talks about how when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus noticed the crowds and he just, his heart went out to them. He realized these are hungry people. These are tired people. These are sinful people. These are diseased people, broken people. And his heart went out to them and he was always directed by the Father and he was always obedient to the will of the Father about what to say, how to say it, who to heal, who not to heal, who to, who to minister to, who to encourage. Jesus was always on this just divine timetable and sensitive to the move of the Father in regards to other people, but it was motivated by a heart of compassion and love and kindness. Now, I am particularly thankful when you look at the Gospels how much Jesus demonstrated kindness because in a sense what Jesus did was he masculinized it. He masculinized it. Now, why do I say that? I say that because I think that in particular for men, we think of kindness as a feminine trait because kindness with it is associated tenderness. And to be quite honest, I don't know who would agree or who would disagree with me on this, but I think women in in, in general are the tender gender. They are the kinder gender. I think it is more fitting with their nature in terms of being tender and soft and compassionate. I think kindness comes easier to women, quite honestly, than I think it does to men. Because men kind of pride themselves on being tough and gruff. And there's a place for being tough. I'm not sure about gruff, but there's a place for, for being tough. And, and, and yet I think sometimes for men, the idea of kindness sounds almost feminine, but I'm glad that Jesus masculinized it because he demonstrated it, that there's, there's, there's wonderful qualities in our Lord and kindness is demonstrated constantly throughout the Gospels and it is something that both men and women should aspire to be following the example of Christ in his kindness. Men just in general, in general tend to be a little gruff and tend to be a little too tough. Uh, women in general are, are, are more kind and tender. You know, look, We've seen it played out a hundred times in different ways. Little Johnny wakes up with a sore throat. And mom's like, oh, little Johnny, I'm so sorry. Why don't you go back to bed? I'm going to take your temperature. I'm going to rub your chest with Vicks, and I'm going to make you some chicken soup. (laughs) And dad's like, come here, Johnny. Let me look at you. Let me look at you. You look fine. Why don't you go out and chop some wood and drink some vinegar and hot sauce? You'll be fine. (laughs) And mom's like, honey, sweetheart, he's only five years old. All right, well, skip the hot sauce. But, you know, it's just that kind of thing that I think men in particular have to, have to work harder at this, that kindness may not always come as naturally. And in regards to all of us, we need to follow the example of Christ. Because if any of us have come to faith in Jesus, you and I came to faith in Jesus because we responded to the kindness of God. Romans 2 verse 4, it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. And so all of us who know Christ our Savior have responded to the kindness of God, demonstrated through his Son. And therefore, we should also be people who demonstrate kindness as well. We're called to be kind. Paul would write in Colossians 3.12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that beautiful chapter on love that, that really just explains what love is, in 1 Corinthians 13.4, it starts off, love is patient, love is kind. 
Kind. Kindness is a virtue. In Galatians 5, 22 to 23, there's a list of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So kindness is all throughout the Bible. Kindness is a virtue that we should demonstrate. As we study the book of Proverbs here on Cornerstone Connection, we'll discover that God is interested in more than just the big picture. God desires that every area of our lives, even the tiny details, to reflect His power and purpose. This is what we learn as we study these practical nuggets of truth which apply to all areas of our lives. If you'd like to access more of these messages from the book of Proverbs, you'll be able to do so at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We've compiled a library of many of Pastor Gary's teachings there, and we invite you to listen to, download, or share any of them. Did you know you can even take them with you on the go? Cornerstone Connection has a mobile app designed to bring you God's Word whenever and wherever you are. You'll find a link under the Teachings tab at cornerstoneconnection.cc. The app allows you to stay connected to us by sharing prayer requests, visiting our website, or checking out our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. You can even join us live each weekend at Cornerstone Chapel, right from your smart device. Again, that app can be found at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Our time is up for today. But be sure to join us next time for more from the book of Proverbs right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.